Welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice. I'm your host, Shona Holm. Today, I want to talk about a very insidious kind of sorcery, and that is propaganda and mind control. And I always say that the initiate of the mysteries must be able to recognize the false narrative that captivates the many, and we will discuss that in great depth today. My guests are very dear friends and wise elders from whom I have learned so much. We have monthly Zoom dinners together mm -hmm. where we will talk for sometimes four hours at a stretch, <laughs> and it is one of my great joys. Chris and Steve Crimmy are into their fourth decade of marriage. They received a classically oriented spiritual education at Yoga Anand Ashram on Long Island under the guidance of Gurani Anjali, where they studied both Indian and Western philosophy and practice for a decade. Chris worked in three major psychiatric hospitals on Long Island, where she headed up a horticultural therapy program at Kings Park, after which they moved to the mountains of Western North Carolina, where they ran biodynamic philosophy farm for 11 years. The publishing arm of the farm became Logo Sophia LLC in 2008, which has now published nearly 30 books in the realms of practical spirituality. When not in her garden, Chris paints and makes repurposed folk art, which can be found on Etsy and Fine Art America, and I will have links for that below. Steve is finishing up his second book, Hermes Runs the Game, and running Logo Sophia. His first book, Catabatic Wind, Good Crake Fueled by Fumes from the Abyss, was published in 2016 and is now available from LogosophiaBooks.com. They have been fortunate to have studied sacred geometry with renowned British architect Keith Critchlow, pre-Socratic wisdom with Peter and Maria Kingsley, and they treasure most of all their lifelong friendship with Jean Kelly, Yogi Ananda Viraj, their yogic philosopher teacher whose embodied knowledge shines through in their podcast series on YouTube and informs their progression through this world. Their YouTube channel is called Good Crick, C-R-A-I-C, where they enjoyed extended conversations with Jean from the deep end of the pool. You can also find the Krimis on Robert Phoenix's Friday Farcast by typing into YouTube Steve and Chris, K-R-Y-S, Krimi, C-R-I-M-I, Friday Farcast. They did a number of absolutely superb presentations with Robert on a wide variety of very relevant topics. Welcome, Chris and Steve. Oh, thank you, Shona. Wow. That was lovely. Thank you, Shona. You yeah. so well. I'm, I'm exhausted <laughs> listening to all that. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we well, are in the so playground. Yay. Are, yeah, it's quite the playground. Lots of schoolyard bullies running around this playground. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and Steve grew up in New York. He knows about bullies and how to handle them. Well, that's one thing you learn growing up, growing up on the streets of uh, New York City is uh, uh, sort of, you know, navigation. You know, and you, you, there's something that, you know, kids who just have, you know, scheduled play groups and things like that, right? They don't. They don't develop certain skills that, you know, you would have to say, you have to look three blocks down the road. All right. I'm whatever, 12, 13, and there's three 16 year olds. I know at that age, you know, you can't handle people three years older than you. So, you know, 
early enough to cross the street and walk on the other side of the street because you know they're going to be too lazy to cross the street to, to bother with you. But if you're crossing in front of them, so these are certain you know navigational skills that you you know you develop um, that I think are lost on a lot of levels. And there's um, even a yoga sutra that right. addresses that. Right. Uh, in the Sanskrit, it's hayam, dukkham, and nagatam. And dukkham is dukkha or dissatisfaction. Or suffering. Or suffering. And it's the suffering of the future that is to be avoided. Wow. Okay. And it's so succinctly told in that Yoga Sutra. I love the sutras. And in the commentaries, they they just explain, well, you know, the past you can't change. It's the past. The present is or is occurring. So you can't really do it's. It's already in motion. The suffering of the present, present. And the future is yet to be determined, and it's determined by your action in the present. So it's the suffering of the future that that is to be avoided, can be and is to be avoided now by what your actions and your intentions and your attitudes and your understandings are in this full, fully fleshed out present that is the container for the past and the future. Okay, well- so All that in one little sutra, yeah. which, which that word is cognate with suture, thread. And, it means a thread. Uh, thread. And you can see that everything that's happening now from everywhere are all various factions attempting to control the future. All right, and, and you know, and um, you know, it's even the recent um, World Economic Forum, you know, they're mastering the future, right? That's their, that was the phrase that came out of it. They're, they're, they're actually the most explicit of, of everyone. So they have one future um, in mind for us. Um, we have a number of new age friends who, you know, will just, you know, just imagine it and it will, will happen. So that's their, that's their, you know, their future. Let's just sit together and, you know, imagine, you know, um, you know, the, the, what a wonderful world could be. Right. So that's one manipulative. You've got Daniel Pinchbeck, famous uh, um, psychonaut um, and emphasis on not. Um, he, um, you know, he has a whole thing. He's envisioning the future, saying what's happening now is this great, you know, guy in initiation. You know, well, the friggin' mother doesn't need to be initiated. Right. Um, she's kind of past that. Um, so, you know, we have all these all these factions, everyone's trying to control the future. And as one of the things we went through when we were working with Peter Maria Kingsley is is that the um, everybody who who's who's claiming to envision this great future on any level. Right. They're doing nothing but bringing the past with them. And they're just going to regurgitate what's already happened because they're incapable of doing anything else. So the future is a huge issue and, and, and everything that we're talking about, uh, you know, relates to it. Mm -hmm. um, but as Gurdjieff said, G.I. Gurdjieff, uh, mystic from uh, from Eastern, what's now Eastern Turkey, um, said, you know, take care of the present and the future will take care of itself. Mm. So well, that's the Hayam Dukkha Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like pure common sense. Really, when you that's think it should yoga be, right? Is. That's why I love the yoga system because it's like it's like taking the human experience and putting it under a microscope. So you see how it ticks. It's like a fine Swiss watchmaker 
with his ocular device, looking at the smallest moving pieces to see how does this all hang together? What is the mechanism that, what is the blueprint that is fleshed out in our lives? So if we understand that scaffolding, then we know how to move through the world. And we know is, how, right, know, how we move with right action. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you guys have at it. Where do you want to begin? This well, is that's, And that's a goddess for the Greeks, Metis or Metis, M-E-T-I-S. Mm -hmm. E with the circumflex over it, um, and she is a goddess, and in fact, she is the, she is the mother of, of Athena. The people remember Athena being born from from the uh, from the skull of Zeus of Zeus Zeus <laughs> Zeus, and um, you know the 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 ultimate migraine headache, and mm -hmm. and she comes out in full armor. Uh, Athena does, but no one remembers the fact that he had actually swallowed. The goddess Metis, because of a prophecy saying he was going to be usurped, and um, she births and creates Athena fully clad in armor within Zeus, and then after Athena is born, she decides to stay inside Zeus to be his um, to guide him, like a daemon, to help guide him. Yeah, just to be in a, an internal barometer of what mm, to do mm. so it's all you know so it's all very interesting but more about metis because it really well, no one seems to be aware of the word and we did learn it from the kingsleys and it is this delightfully playful and cunning yeah mechanism so yeah my def yeah i define it as navigational cunning so that uh, that we you need to operate especially in this world um, you know, so uh, Odysseus in the uh, Homeric epic, the Odyssey, uh, is the is the poster boy for for uh, for Metis navigating all these crazy waters, the rocks clashing together, and all the all the adventures. Um, I highly recommend the Odyssey for anyone who reads, because every story that you ever come across in every movie, every science fiction movie, everything is already there in the Odyssey. It's so astonishing. I, I think it would be wise to say that Metis should be a word that is on everyone's lips and, and their understanding. It needs to come into our lexicon because that's how we're going to make it through this clash of the titans. That's what's going on. And we are Odysseus. We are in the waters and the, and the rocks are falling on our heads and all around us. And people are dying, people who we know and treasure and love. And how do you get through all that and still have maintain your integrity? How do you not lose your integrity? How do you not lose your your vision of this path, this uh, straight and narrow path that you have to stay on? Otherwise, you'll fall to the left or the right into the into the waters. But Metis is cunning. And sometimes it's like, well, that's why Steve's book, Hermes Runs the Game, the one that he's working on now. Hermes is really a god of Metis. He's he's always go ahead. He's the trickster, and he'll use any means, good, bad, or indifferent, to get to his goal. Go ahead and say well, a little bit about. Well, that's that's part of it. But go ahead. Well, the book is is just looking at Hermes invents the uh, the ancient Greek sacrifice, and in one of the stories, there are two main stories, but. The, what has been going on to us, so you, you, you started off talking about this being a magic spell. 
right? So the book is more or less, how do you get to the magic? How do you understand that this is a magic spell? How do you understand that the, because the structure of spells, whether positive or negative is the same, right? And they're all, almost all linguistic in a certain way. Incantations. Incantations, chants, and they're all, they all work on that methodology, right? So, you know, whether you're Alistair Crowley or whether you're an ancient Vedic cedar or a Celtic bard, who they're, they're always, always chanting a world into existence. So what is that world that's being chanted into existence? Well, the fact is that we have a specific world that's being chanted into existence for us every day, right? By these, these specific entities, we'll start there, um, who are, are detrimental to, to um, human development, human enjoyment, human love, just humanness, just becoming humans, you know, we're not even freaking humans anymore, you know, so this book really is gets into, I, I, in looking at that through the lens of the ancient Greek sacrifice, and how that has been inverted, and especially, through, and it just follows the steps of COVID, uh, the COVID uh, debacle, mm -hmm. um, into it, how each step you know, like the uh, the opening prayer was event two hundred one, where they where they made incanted what they were about to do, right? And then bef and if you remember, right at the beginning, um, there was the the ablution, right? Now ablution is the washing before you begin the ritual, right? And remember the first thing we all heard: wash your hands, wash yeah. your hands, right? Right. So, so I'm saying it maps really beautifully on and, and sometimes not too beautifully. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting near to the end of that, but that just gives you an example of, of, of how that works and how it's an inversion. So you're not washing your hands with water, but everywhere are those little pump jars of these awful chemicals that get into everybody's system and, um, you know, are, are extremely detrimental. So again, so when it's an inversion, it wasn't just washing your hands, but it was, you know, actually dirtying your hands with chemicals. Nanoparticles too, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, so that's that, that's that's kind of a, a, a quick synopsis of the book. Um, so, and and then, so, and I get into how, what what is the original sacrifice? What is a sacrifice? What is the incantation of a sacrifice? Things like that and how that works. Because, so everything that's been going on has been particular incantations, a controlling of language, controlling. So, um, you got if you got something specific, I can just. Well, I was just going to say that we have a tendency to believe that myth is something that's a confabulation, and that it's relegated to ancient history, mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with us. It's quaint, like George Bush said, the Constitution was a quaint piece of. So. You know, I think it's really important to revivify the understanding of what mythology is and how it's a living being. It is, it breathes mm -hmm. us. We are being yeah. breathed by stories. We need stories as human beings. That's why they want to separate us so that we can't speak to one another and tell the stories. Myths yes. Yeah, go ahead. They've taken over the storytelling for us, though, with Hollywood. Yes. And, and Holly being the wood used to make the sorcerer's wand. So mm -hmm. I, I cannot 
I stop, I mean, I've never been a television person anyway, but I stopped watching movies years ago because I could see the social engineering. And I was like, can we just watch a fantastic story without you sneaking in your ideologies and everything else that you want me to, to think and feel for God's sake. So I just was so disgusted, but this is, so it's used, it's propagandized, it's weaponized. So we have kind of a modern day mythology utterly well inverted again instead of structure is there right but it's not being used to uplift and and open the mind and and uh inspire excellence on Mm -hmm. on the contrary it's used to you know and just have culture circling the toilet yeah yeah right so i used to say that you're either practicing yoga or you're practicing the kleshas which are the afflictions Mm -hmm. so you you know you're and that's the same thing as saying it's all an an inversion right right so you're either if you're practicing yoga you're going toward knowledge and understanding gnosis and if you're practicing the kleshas or the afflictions you're going toward ignorance Mm -hmm. and it's ignorance not in stupidity i think most people understand that now but toward not knowing correct that's yeah that's why knowledge is power Yes. True, not, not trivial stuff, but like actual knowledge. Yeah, yeah. That's what you can say. Well, I was going to start off talking about the, the whole, so the current iteration of the propaganda system yeah. um, more or less begins with this group called the Pilgrim Society. This is around 1903 or so. And what has happened is that the, so I'm going to give you the mythology of the, <laughs> of, of the, uh, of the propaganda. Um, so what's happened by, by around this time, the British realized that their, their empire is for Stunken, that they don't have, they don't have, they don't have the ability anymore. They know everyone is sort of pulling out and they realize that, that we are going to be it, right? Which certainly, but d- during the course of the 20th century happens, the United States being we. Um, and what the British decided, so the best way to maintain their empiric status is to is to control us. So the, the Pilgrim Society is formed. And, you know, today, a lot of people have noticed the fact that, you know, used to be the CIA would run in the background. But now the CIA is overt. You have John Brennan, you know, as a as a paid commentator on CNN and, you know, all these things. You have CIA spooks running for Congress one after another, right? It used to be, you know, and, um, you know, you have um, the secret space program, the CIA running the Washington Post, you you know, used to be. What's that? They're in the psychedelic world as well, CIA. Oh, oh completely, yeah. completely. That they was a, are the psychedelic. That was a that was a complete op, <laughs> right? Oh no. And that's a, and again, that's that's a Tavistock, who we're going to talk about the Pilgrim Society, the 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 Frankfurt Frankfurt School, School of Social Research, and Tavistock. So those are three things. More or less, um, the Frankfurt School is the intellectual arm, and the Tavistock is the operative arm. Of, of the same uh, the same octopus same squid so um so so what what one of the things that that the pilgrim society did was they married journalists to spies to the intelligence which makes sense so so the fact is that so the, so the, so the journalism and intelligence has always been wed 
This is just it's just become overt now where they're just out in front of the camera. So, yeah. So who better to to form uh, an intelligence agency than journalists who are embedded all around the world? Right. And so that is the perfect unholy alliance. Right. At this point, you know, you're able to wire stories back and forth, you know, so the, the British crown and 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 they, and they developed this as this is sort of a uh, UK USA friendship society, and you know they would give so every every ambassador to to England is automatically brought into the Pilgrim Society. Mm. It's like their little club, and it's mostly, of course, it's mostly various royals and and heads of news agencies that are involved in this, and it still exists. And they still they give out little awards for Americans because you know they don't get they don't get to get knighted and all these wonderful things that you can get in England, you know, by being Jimmy Savile, for example, um, <laughs> who was knighted. Um, so 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 anyway, so this is kind of the the origins of this sort of um, you know propaganda, and then what happens in World War uh, One. Is that they have all these this, the term shell shock because by this time the munitions had developed to such a stage that that the humans couldn't handle. It's not like swords. It's even civil war. You know, reloading guns or anything like that. It became much more mechanized, much more fierce, much more horrific. So people were just breaking apart. Mm. And so, and they um, said, "Oh, look, an opportunity." Oh, so people like um, General, uh, um, the British G Brigadier General Rees, R E E S. Um, this, e, what is it? Neon and R E E S E. Is it okay? Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was an S. Anyway, he. Um, so they start studying these people who have been broken apart, and not you know under the guise everything comes in under the guise of healing, right? We want to. You know, we want to hook up your brain to a computer, you know, so that you can smell better or whatever. You know, you never could, you know, see whatever. These are all laudable things, but that's that's how they always bring it in under health, as you probably, I'm sure, you're well aware. Of. Or for the greater good. Yes. Right. Yes. So, which is always a health benefit, right? So they so they found that these shattered individuals, they started studying them. Eventually, this goes leads into what happened in Germany in World War II and and in the basic um, uh, um, MK Ultra and Korea and Korea also the Manchurian Candidate type thing, right? So you were able to, if you were able to fracture the mind, you were able to manipulate aspects of it, right? And then it got refined, uh, especially after when the foundation of the CIA in '46, it got refined to the point where they could program various of these splits or called alters of the personality. Now, again, to get back to the inversion of the sacred, they, in, the, in the, say, for example, the Renaissance and all the ancient, all the ancient peoples, the Celtic bards, they had more than prodigious memories, memories that we can't even imagine mm -hmm. having, mm -hmm. right? You know, they would just have encyclopedic knowledge within themselves. What they would do, they would in in ancient Greece, it was called the memory theater. Whereas, so if you were looking at a at like a theater with the steps, down the maybe say two sets of steps and then three sets uh, of stairs of uh, seats, right? Now you would compartmentalize each of those sections into say a play. 
right? Same thing happened in Shakespearean times. You would take the Globe Theater and each aspect of the theater would have a play because, you know, the king or, or whomever would say, you know, I want to see this play tonight. Well, you had to have that play, right? You didn't have to, you couldn't rehearse or you could rehearse briefly, but in other words, you just had to know the lines, right? So you fragmented yourself purposely. You fragmented yourself purposefully into these theaters or, you know, or into these stairways where each of these things would, would represent, and then there would be like a, a, some sort of key to unlock it. And it was a whole, you know, it was a Mnemon whole system. A mnemonic system. Yeah, but it was a way of storing an immense amount of knowledge, right? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So Perfect. that gets inverted into MK Ultra, whereas they fracture you and put in what you and you don't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. Right. And through trauma. Yes. Through trauma. Through trauma. Yes. Right. Yes. And right. now through chemical drugs. Mm -hmm. So and this is and this, of course, as our author Lisa Eve in her recent book has been talking about, and this is all writ large right now. So um, do you want to you want to talk about World War um, one and uh, or the Soviet Union. You want to take that part of the story because I'm I could go on all day. What with the Soviet Union? What part? Well, how 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 uh, the Frankfurt School came out of oh out the of Bolshevik the, revolution out of the Bolshevik revolution. So so there was a faction in in the Bolshevik re revolution where these people were just then after the war they came into Germany. Am I getting that right? Well, and, they wanted to expand the revolution, right? They thought. It would be they thought it would be everywhere the marxist they thought that they just thought everyone would think this was a great way to structure your society so they ended up going into frankfurt germany with these ideas and they established the uh frankfurt school for social research and that's really where it starts to the seed is cracked open for this idea that you can manipulate the human mind. And from there, it goes over to England. Well, first go to Hungary, wanna go to Hungary first? Okay, so Lukács. Yeah, um, so there's a guy named Georgi Lukács. Georgi Lukács. Or George Lucas. Or George Lucas, <laughs> um, is one of these promulgators. And he decides he's gonna go into Hungary uh, with the, uh, was he like the education minister? Right, and he was he Hungarian. And he was going to, implement these programs which you will recognize today going in and teaching young little young ones all about sex and how to have uh, aberrant sex and masturbation and when this is like five six seven year olds and the hungarians were a gas destroying the family i mean everything that's been coming out critical race theory right. so they kicked him out after three months they had the presence of mind and the integrity to kick him out of the country. Wow. But he ends up going back over to, I guess he went to England. And well, he he joined the, the then then he joined the the, the group. This um because some some very rich person in Germany uh, or who or who inherited a whole bunch of money. Well, and his name I don't remember, but he he gave them he like a building banked and bankrolled the Frankfurt School. So all these thinkers started uh, amalgamating around here. Then they're in Germany, but then when Hitler is coming into power and it's obvious that he's going after the Jewish population, all of this group was Jewish. 
And so they fled Germany and they went to England where they started then the, what was called the Wellington House, which morphed then into the Tavistock Institute. And that's where the, the real detrimental beings come into right. play. So they started studying these people who had been through the Korean War and the mines had been fractured by torture. And they said, oh, there's something there that we can use. We can use that mechanism and to see how we can control first the individual and then, oh, if you can control the individual through trauma-based mind control, then let's expand that out to entire populations. So that's where Tavistock starts to gather all its dark forces and they get involved with Sigmund Freud and psychology. Right. So that's- Can I ask real quick? So why, why exactly did, so it was the people of the Frankfurt School, they ended up in England. And then, yeah, but briefly, and then brought over by the Rockefeller right, so Foundation. To the, U, to the US. Yeah, Columbia University, right. sorry. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like, what was their motivation? Because this is very diabolical. It you is know? diabolical, right. and they so, have their own vision of utopia. Right. So they they came to the conclusion, <laughs> right? It, Marxist revolution sense. didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, it's because because um, capitalists were duped into enjoying their life under capitalism, <laughs> right? And so obviously they don't understand this this greater Marxist thing that they, that they have so they they formed the the frankfurt school and then uh, so as this, especially this guy named horkheimer they decided well marxism because marxism is um is you know it's called sometimes called dialectical materialism but it's about the oppressor and the oppressed and you know the revolt of the masses and the workers and all that right when they they when they realized the workers were okay working in America at least, you know, and and getting something for it. They um they they changed and they wedded Freudian theory to Marxism. And it let's called, let's that, quickly say that Freud hated people. Oh yeah, and, and himself, yes. I'm sure. Um, he he obviously is a miserable cur, and mm -hmm. his nephew Edward Bernays, who is like the Job of the HUD of, of propagandists. You could do an entire show just um, Edward Bernays. Is is who who salvaged Freud? He's the one that you know. He could. He's like like remember the far. There was like a far, far side used to do cartoons. I don't know if he still does. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Right. So there's one like you know, um, this guy on a on a on a little floating piece of ice, you know, with a refrigerator, you know. And you know, uh, like Ed Jones, king of the salesmen, you know, he's selling refrigerators to the Eskimos. Oh, all right. This is oh. Edward Bernays, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. Um, the uh, Bernays also hated people, and he referred to people as stupid dopes. Mm -hmm. And he, he changed the word propaganda to public relations. Yes, ah. and he creates. Well, we're off this tangent, so he creates um, the culture of consumption. Yes. Whereas you only bought at the, up until that point, you only just bought stuff. Oh, I need a new shirt. I uh, look at through the old Sears and Roebuck, went back uh, catalog and whatever. Find a shirt, go to the store, down you know wherever you know. I need a plow, whatever you know. These you, you bought things because you needed them. So he's he brought in the the fact of of buying things that you don't need, and and then attaching your self worth 
to what you have bought and the quality of what you bought, et cetera, et cetera. He got mm -hmm. women to smoke. He mm -hmm. got um, he got in the water. Um, fluoride. He got fluoride in fluoride. Fluoride in the water. He yeah. sold. He yeah. sold that. He sold that. So putting poison in the water. So that's how good he was at what he did. And Talk how, about a sorcerer. You know, but you only do that when you got the backing of the of the head sorcerers. And well, he started doing propaganda in World War One, and he did very. Yes very well with that. So he already had friends in high places and he realized, you know what, if this works in wartime, this will work in peacetime. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. He was he was part of the Wellington. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, Go ahead. no, no. I was just saying he he studied advertising and also read everything that Uncle Sigmund wrote. Mm -hmm. Freud and was he also saved Sigmund's butt financially. He was on the skids financially. And Bernays said, well come over to America. And I'll support you in whatever you're doing, and and that's how he kept going until oh, he yes. got back on his feet again. Yeah, he used all his connections to promote Freud until Freud's name was on the lips of every intellectual, right. everyone and anyone. Yeah. So yeah, so Bernays was part. I don't know if he was one of the founders, but he was part of the Wellington House, which was what it was called um, prior. until uh, prior to when. It, officially became the Tavistock Institute. So the one sort of morphed into the other. So Bernays is 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 foundational in, in all this crap. And Freud. And Carl Jung was uh, involved there on some Carl level. Jung was involved with Tavistock. I'm not really clear on how much. And but... in America and in there. And, and so their idea, so one of their main goals was to get people interested in going to war so before world war one and of course here before world war ii he was hired by um by the fdr administration right um in order to propagandize to get people interested in going to world war ii so so the uh the uh the loose lovers whoever they may be bless their non-souls um were you know that's always what they want because you know that's you get your most loose for for time period in a war mm -hmm. you know so um yeah so bernays every bernays is what's it the minds of men is uh yes. is a really depressing movie if you've got you know not, you got I, a couple of like a bottle of scotch or something to to make it through. it was on youtube i you could look and see if it's still there yeah, but it's so. quite long and i don't think we ever finished it I'd no one ever finished do a revisit but well, that's he also, he wrote propaganda in 1928 which mm. should be required reading for every student of course mm. no student has even heard of bernays right. but that book is the blueprint for how yeah. to do this and i want people listening to understand what we're talking about we're talking about your opinions have been put in your head yes by these people your right. desires have been put right. in you by these people Yes. And and these when are, you hear the words come out of your mouth, you know they're not your own. Yeah. So these so these Frankfurt School comes over to the US via the Rockefeller Foundation. They go to Colombia. So in, in the in in the uh, when Hitler comes to power and they're German and Eastern European. Um they all come over and uh so they get and they all magically get get uh because the sociology department at Columbia wasn't really a thing so they brought these over and created the sociology department there right and there was a program to bring in german refugees uh scholastic refugees and that's how a lot of these people came in through henry kissinger and 
he came in through who was the person who brought him in kissinger yes kissinger was a protege of this guy Rees we talked about who was the founder of the wellington house and tavistock so he's the one that brought kissinger in that's got to be around the same time because Kissinger is like you know whatever ninety eight or yeah, something. If 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 it's if, you know whatever. All right. <laughs> I, I was trying to count it in human years, but never mind. Okay. Um, he uh, anyway. So um, so 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 what they form and it's and then and then they they really get ingrained into academia. They couple in a generation. They've got students, you know, who are all studying this stuff. And um, one of the, the big ones is, a, uh, and Hor is it Horkheimer? Someone, someone developed something called critical theory. Now, everything you hear of now is a variant of critical theory. Critical race theory is the most famous one right now. The, um, um, the other one that they call the link, was it called not the Lincoln Project or something like that, you know, where, where they're reimagining, you know, the whole slavery thing. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it, what they, so, in a nutshell, critical theory, and this was, you know, when I was back in college, though it wasn't really big in my college, you tear down everything except critical theory. So the whole point, you just sit there and criticize. Yeah, you, you know, I can sit there and, and come up with lots of criticism of capitalism, right? You know, if I want to, but you're not allowed to criticize, and this is coming straight from Marx, you're not allowed to criticize Marxist theory. Right, you can criticize anything but critical theory. Right, so it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful system. works works well in a marriage too. <laughs> so, 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 so this is the the main, and so this goes on, and so this is the main weapon that they have used. Right, so as you say, so like critical race theory. So they'll tell you, they'll set they'll they'll set the presuppositions, and you can't criticize them. You know, so that you know, so the so the presupposition of critical race theory is something like you know, all white people are racist. You know, and the, so then everything follows that. Well, you can't criticize their their main presupposition that all white people are racist. So because if you criticize that, the whole freaking thing falls apart. It's just, you know, you know, it's it's just it's just um, it's just a, a, a piece of logical crap. Mm -hmm. you know exactly. um you know they're all houses of cards and the, you know once you examine the presuppositions the presuppositions of marxism of, of of all this stuff so you can really see how it plays out in society today where everything is torn down so the church has been destroyed from within yes and that's another whole another whole show yes it is and marriage the nuclear family um mm -hmm. Heterosexuality, homosexuality, <laughs> well, yes, linguistics, yes. art. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. they brought yes. in um, abstract art and atonal music. So, a man by the name of right. Theodore Adorno, his his contribution was atonal music. Could you list? You gave a list in one of the shows with Robert. Do you have that list handy, or I can look for it? Of, of what? Of, of, the, uh, of the, what they've attacked, yeah, yeah. Adorno is really interesting because, uh, the, yes, they have they had a, a series of strategies to take down everything. Oh, right? the bullet points is yeah. that what you're looking for? Yeah. Yes, and the thing is, you listen to sort of what they held as the sort of perfect cis Marxist society, and you listen to it, and it's like, 
after you hear it, you're like, who would say I'm in? Sign me up. Like it is right. the most That's what I don't right. understand. I can't. Yeah. I just wanted to, yeah, I just, yeah, I exactly. So the, the funny story is that somehow these these guys oh, he's a great story. Um the these, you know, Theodore Dorno, um um uh, the, the, Lukács, uh, I don't know who they were. Lukács, the ones who came Horkheimer, to America. all these ones that came to America, right? In California, right? And they ended up in California in Malibu. Right? <laughs> and you know, Malibu, and you like in the in the like early 60s, late I 50s. Guess it was like a paradise. You know, it what probably like the happiest place in America, right? Yes, you surfers. know, bikinis, surfers, hot dogs, you know, <laughs> right? The American expression in full form. And I don't know how they got there, but they were there and they they were like in this house together and they were wearing all these dark suits while, you know, everybody's running around in bikinis and, you know, bathing suits. And, and they, they were, were miserable. They were completely miserable. And this, this like fueled them. They couldn't take it that all these people were happy when they could, where they could be signing up with their brand of, you know, complete and, and, uh, and unending misery, you know, of Marxism. They just, this is this how deeply lost these people were mm -hmm. you know so there they are in malibu you know they, they wouldn't even like you know take the jacket off you know 85 degrees in the summer you can just have a mental picture of that right you know so that's that's the nature of these people they're so so lost and indoctrinated um but i think you go ahead you you were referring that list to the list sort of what they yeah yeah well this is what really when we were doing the research, we've been doing it a couple of years now. But when I first came across this, I was like, holy moly. This is actually a bullet point list of how they planned to take down Western civilization and the United States being the epitome of that you know, mm -hmm. expression in modern times. But uh, these were the strategies of Theodore Adorno and Walter Benjamin. Okay. Anti-authoritarianism. Organized pessimism. As, as I speak, just form a mental picture in your mind of how you see that playing out today in our, across the realms of our society. So organized pessimism. Atonal music abstract expressionism destroy the uplift and the sublime in art right. destroy it just quickly yeah abstract expression of course now everyone knows it was a cii op mm -hmm. they were promoting you know they were promoting this this american these, these art artists, yeah. this american art funded. in the yeah. 50s i mean they were straight funded by the cia um, and, you know, articles put into magazines and things like to create something that, you know, most people have an aesthetic sense would just to create a design for something that's so despicable. But then people with an aesthetic sense were made to feel like they're like a, a dimwit because they don't understand. The oh, right. I know. Right. Oh, yeah. And in order to understand, right, in order to understand, you had to read these guys, Herbert Marcuse and all the rest of them, you had to read them so you can understand the depth and profundity of, of you know, of, you know, the toilet sorry, bully, uh, you, you know, to, in, in the in MoMA. You have to abandon your humanity in order to get to the level of understanding. Mon I, I'm sorry. I know I'm offending some people who love modern art. I have a friend who, you know, 
she, I think she bristles every time I talk about <laughs> modern art, but I'm sorry, it's soul deadening. Mm -hmm. I don't see, and I, you know, I had a relationship actually with a woman who was the wife of Franz Klein, who was one of the um, modern artists in the 1950s. And Klein's work was, you know, it was exhibited at the National Gallery and what have you. But I just, I'm sorry, it has no place in my world. So that's the destruction of the uplift and the sublime in art. Expel the moral from politics. So there's no morality to be seen in politics. It's it's a pig's breakfast, no, right? And they, don't even, goes. they don't even give lip service to it anymore. Yeah. Focus on appearances. So everything's superficial. Mm -hmm. Estrangement effect. And then there's a German word that maybe at some point I try to uh, articulate, but it's very challenging. So estrangement effect. So we're all estranged from our upbringing from the moral code that we were raised with and estranged from our relatives and friends and ourselves and ourselves and our elders and our elders they call boomers now yeah yeah with great but, disdain that's a really good point yeah. thanks for bringing that up yeah well I remember right boomers Peter Kingsley was talking about how all like the new agers gravitate towards Native American elders because they have no elders in their own, and the, even the elders that we have, you know, are are not. Well, know, my friend Diana, she says we have a lot of olders, but right. very few elders. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. It's tragic. It is. It's tragic. So yeah. So we're 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 trying to be moving into that space. Uh, demoralize the audience. Mm. With brutality, really, this it's a brutal. It's a form of brutalism in theater and art. Um, create aimless anger. I mean, you see that in Antifa and Black Lives Matter. The average teenager. Yeah, right. And and me at times. <laughs> <laughs> they were sixteen. Well, no, it's not aimless. <laughs> it's focused. And here's an interesting one: the mechanical reproduction of art. When you are in the presence of sublime art, there, there is an interaction between the art and the human awareness of the art. And it's like, the, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And I remember going into New York City at one of the museums and we saw the Pre-Raphaelite exhibit. It was transcendent. These paintings were like, floor to ceiling yeah. and you were just like dwarfed by the beauty and the magnificence of what was being portrayed by the artist and to mechanically reproduce it I'm kind of on the fence it's like well okay I do have a lot of you know mechanical reproductions like either in a beautiful Christmas card that's got a Madonna and child you know but that also allows for the art to be disrespected because where do those Christmas cards go at the end of the day? They go into the trash. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a, you know, a snow scene or it's a Madonna and child, it's all lumped in together as trash. As disposable. Yeah, but, yeah. but in a very disrespectful way. You know, so, and also, to add on to that, it's also like music. Now, mm -hmm. and this is something that Theodore Adorno, who a lot of people 
are you if you if you hear a lot of people on their podcast say that he wrote the Beatles music um which actually to me makes zero sense he doesn't have the he doesn't have the he doesn't have you know someone who's whose focus is you know Schoenberg and atonal music um cannot do you know McCartney schmaltzy stuff or any of that, any of that stuff heart. he doesn't have the swing you know I mean you know now if you want to say that the Beatles, I mean, look at look at the fact that they came three was it three weeks after Kennedy's shot, they appear on Ed Sullivan. How about that? You know, we the, the country goes through the, the shock of um, you know, of of Kennedy being shot. And I was I was in kindergarten, I think. Um, and then the Beatles show up like three weeks later. Um, that is all Tavistockian plan. All right. So that's an example of how Tavistock would work. Right. So, so you, you, so it's a, you, you have the, you have the trauma and then you refill it in with this, with, with, this, with this little pop band, you know, yeah. love because me do. people are more suggestible when they're in, right. well, when they're in shock, they're totally right. suggestible. That's right. the point. She was just 17. You know what I mean? You know? Right. And that's, it's just, but, you know, it's a really good point that you bring up, especially with the timing. I think it's something that's important for us to realize we need to pay more attention to as far as connecting dots. Yes. Look at the timing of events, what comes first and what follows and what allows it to come into being where it would not have been possible before that. Right. Exactly. So I think it's important to bring that into your daily awareness when you listen to some new story that's come out. You know, do do look at the whole picture and not just not just right. part of the picture. I remember one day when we were in the ashram and Guruma had uh, she took the lily, the flower off the altar, the hoven, and she said, what do you see? So all of us said, oh, we see we see a beautiful flower. She said, you're not seeing, you're really not seeing because what you're not seeing is the, it, the entire rest of your sensorium. You're not seeing a thing in itself does not exist. It exists in a context. You are seeing my hand holding it. You're seeing my body. You're seeing what I'm sitting on. You're seeing the room. You're hearing, you're smelling, you're tasting, you're touching. You're, and that's all you see? So when we when we see an event, we need to really make it a spiritual practice to see the context, mm -hmm. the vessel within which that is being given to you. And does someone want you only to see this and not that? Is there something else going on? You don't want to be paranoid, but you want to be awake and aware and use this, use all of your senses. Like Peter Kingsley brought home. I was about home to say, the, you're going to talk about common sense. The very interesting you, point you about. You used the term before, right? Common sense. We've got a, a, a step down understanding of what that phrase common sense means. From Pedicles. And for all of these Greek philosophers, it meant all using all of your senses in common. Mm. All of the senses are brought together to make the whole. Well, that's interesting because, of course, what has happened to all of us today, they've made us compartmentalized. And that's what public schooling, it's all compartmentalization. Yes, Aristotelian yes. thinking. And yeah. abstraction. 
Yes. So you're always abstracted from from your experience and abstracted, and then so this is the 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 it's the tyranny of thought, and you can't get to the real through thought. So it's abstraction and distraction. So it's yeah. like oh look a squirrel. And so here's something important that's coming into flower that people are beginning to notice, and the next thing you know, you get the rug pulled out from under you. Oh look a squirrel over there. Oh look, somebody just murdered somebody. Oh look, oh look, don't look here because this is where your life will flower and your humanity will flower we don't want that yeah there's an innate morality in being in the moment oh it's beautiful okay dialectical potential well i have no idea what that means what you want to have you want to take a shot at that dialectical um, potential uh, i'm the not dialectic? talking about potential but, but that's dialectic dialectic material. is um well that's what they're you know, well, I think that's more or less keeping things separate. False. I, I would. I would just say instead of saying that, I would say false dichotomies, which mm -hmm. is you know left right, you know everything is a false dichotomy. Um, you know, a, a, you know abortion versus murder. Um, there's there's a there's so, everything we do. So is, the potential that that holds for manipulation of the society. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. I really don't know what they mean exactly by that. Okay. But but that's you know everything is you know is is everything good good evil. It's another wonderful false dichotomy, you know. Okay, demythologize. Well, we've kind of covered that. Yes. Right? Um, childishness and infantilism. This is oh a big boy, one. it's a big one for me. <laughs> oh, you yeah. too, I can tell. <laughs> Rue Joy, my teacher, said, "Gosh," and I worked with them. Oh my God, 16 years ago or 17 years ago, he said, we are living in a nation of children. Yes. Arrested development. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was also done by design. Even uh, the educator who's passed now, John Taylor Gatto, talks about that, about how they, they, they have elongated adolescence. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, well, yeah. And, well, and remember the, the generation well, gap, and it's and and now it's 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 a um, particular um, sexual perversion. Oh, right. You know, there was um, there's a town uh, north of Asheville. We live in Asheville, uh, called uh, Woodfin, and early 2000s, I think it was, the police chief of Woodfin was caught in a diaper ring. So uh, okay, could you repeat a diaper, that? A diaper <laughs> ring, in other words. It was a group of men Adults. who got off. Adult men. He, these guys weren't. These weren't guys. weren't kids. So who knows how long they're doing? Who would wear diapers uh, with with I guess some, some sort of uh, prostitutes? And um, they and, and this is what uh, particularly got them off. Um, <laughs> so they would yeah. wear diapers and maybe one of those little head things, and um, and waddle around the room. And and this would serve them, so that's one of the most, I don't know, it's like one of the saddest of of, of perversions. There there are others pretty bad, but then and then of course it leads into the whole child predation thing too. But um, but anyway, so this was the police chief of Woodfin, you know, who was who was caught up in that. Oh my god, infantilism at its best. So, so you know, yeah, everything ends up being a sexual perversion, really, in the end. Yes. Yes. Destroy the bourgeoisie family. Well, they're doing a really good job at that. Yes, they, they are. They are just ripping us apart. Uh -huh. uh, psychological preconditioning. So you're you're preconditioned 
to accept certain new ideas well, that are not in your best yeah, education interest. you know education. running it through the education system yeah and hollywood oh, yeah yes. you know oh, yes. um, and all the books I, right. I have to quickly tell you that one of my clients is a teacher in Texas, and she wrote me maybe four years ago to say that she bought all these beautiful fairy tale books from a library that got rid of all mm -hmm. children's fairy tale books, all of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. 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 And yeah, I can we, only imagine. Yeah. Well, the libraries were the yeah. first to bring in the drag queen story hour. Right. 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 We have a friend who has what she's got. Probably we haven't heard. She's, she's, she's about to have her sixth child, and she went into one of the local libraries, and all the children's books were all about transgender and and all this stuff for you know like five year olds, and she just you know, and and she made a comment to them. Look, you know, I'll bet there are other books that don't involve this, you know, like, you know, they're displayed on the display section, you know, you know, with the front covers out and instead of just the spines, you know, and, and, and the person just like, didn't get it. She's like, Oh, well, Oh, really? I didn't, yeah. Didn't I guess, you, know, so you might, you know, all right, we'll maybe put one or two and then have some other, like other books for that might be my children would be interested in. Oh, Oh, I didn't really see that. You know, they're not even, that's how far gone right. it is. Yes. Unquestioned. Well, that's why you have to question everything. Um, second, okay. Impoverish aesthetics. Impoverish aesthetics? aesthetics. Impoverished, yeah. Or well, impoverish them. Yeah. I went to Parsons School of Design many moons ago. And and so, and I did interior design in New York. And and I just like, we, we share that, like, I just treasure beauty. Nature is beautiful. She's the best designer of all. Mm. So bring it inside. And so... I remember when I was living in Seattle, like I'd go like sort of pass by different furniture stores, or whatever. I'd be like, are those designers in a depression? Right. What's going on here? Right. <laughs> Stuff is just mm -hmm. so ugly and it's so depressing. So what's with all of the battleship gray that's all the yes. craze in interior design? How great. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. It's dystopian gray and it's everywhere. Yeah. And in the architecture, you've got the brutalism. A lot of the buildings here, the new hotels in Asheville, to me, appear to be like Soviet block buildings. They yes. are so oh, yeah. destroying. Yes. I lived in Redmond, Washington, and they tore down all these kind of little kind mm. of stalls and little one story buildings in downtown Redmond. And they replaced them with, I called it Soviet housing. Mm -hmm. And it was these apartments, and they're just all teeny tiny cubicles that cost a fortune. And so people live in that box, then they go in their box, which is a car, and to the little cubicle box that they work in at Microsoft mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Uh, right. And isn't it telling? Sorry. Yeah. And they, they also, in downtown Redmond, they did it's all cement with neon lights, some benches, and there's a big sign that says downtown park. And I'm like, yeah, they had to put a sign because no one <laughs> everything there was a dark uh, a downtown mm -hmm. park. And oh, by the way, along with the ugliest sculpture, oh. it's mm -hmm. sculpture, right? Like oh, it's, it's astonishing. Just, it just deadens you. You just look at it. You, you don't even look at it because you don't even notice it. I think we have a rival of that in Asheville, and it's by the Federal Building, and it looks to me now the more I think about it, like an archon. It is. <laughs> mm disgusting it is so bad it's just 
I don't know if it's iron or metal or steel or what it's made of, but it's looming. It's huge towers above you. It could take like a human form, like legs and arms mm. and a torso. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a but an iron wraith or something like so that. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. And it's on federal land there and by the federal building. And so someone paid for it. This is just very important for those who are still listening <laughs> to grasp. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> I mean, I like to think that I like to think that you know people who follow my work are are pretty intelligent. I mean, if they're interested in what you know, I have to say they know I'm. I sort of don't jibe with uh, the general narrative. That's for sure. But in other words, to understand that you know there's a cause of all this this garbage we're experiencing. There is right. a cause behind this. And it's so important to understand because of course, when I work with clients and they tell me what's going on in their life, to me, I'm like, okay, that's symptomatic. Let's reverse engineer that back to the cause so we can address the cause. And, and this is the same thing here in, in terms of understanding, how mm -hmm. did we get here? Yeah, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. what, like this is bananas. And so this is so helpful. Yeah. I think it is. You can't, you can't, yes. It's not happy you making. You can't wish it away. No, you can't. Um, and you, you cannot know. solve it if you won't look at it. Oh, this is my lament. Right. So this is this is the issue. So all you can do, uh, you know, we or we try to do, is to, you know, into as the I Ching says, you can't, um, you can't go uh, go against evil on its own terms. All right. right. You can only make, and the quote is in the Wilhelm translation, energetic progress in the good. Mm -hmm. All right. And so for us, you know, that is so that is beauty. So what's the counteracting to beauty, to ugliness, institutional ugliness? You know, make as much, you have to just generate as much beauty as possible. That's right. um, the architectural ugliness, you know, um, you know, isn't, isn't it, you know, telling that hospitals, prisons, and schools all have the exact same architecture, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, yeah, live, don't, 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 sell, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard, but don't sell your children to those, to those institutions. If you can, there, you know, there are people who can't, there are people who don't care, but, you know, if you can, you, you have to do something, you have to stand, make your life a stand against all of this. You know, and that's and that's and the dominance from that side is is on every angle, you know. But you still have, but you have the final angle, which is the one inside us. That's the last one that they can't touch and they can never touch if you don't want. Well, to. unless unless people submit to being chipped, and then right. you're fucked. Yep. Yep. Well, that's the point, right. you know. So we're at that, you know. Sometimes they call it tipping point, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. we're at that uh, that crisis point because yes. we're in the turning. We are, in my opinion, anyway, we're in the turning of ages. We're turning of several ages. We're turning of we're in the turning of the American Empire, which is one age. We are in the turning of of the uh, astrological clock from from you know into the age of Aquarius, right? And then and then we are at the turn of the twenty six thousand year clock. So we're, so we're in the midst of three really huge um, interlocking cycles. And what's next is heavily dependent on the clarity that some of us bring to what's now. 
because the stakes are high. No and shit. this is why this stuff has been planned for so long and they mm -hmm. had to get the people slow, it's slow boiled frog to get mm -hmm. people just this side of ignorant as the, you were using that word earlier, Chris, so that they wouldn't even see what's coming. And, and this is the thing I always say spells, and this is a, a big dark magic spell. This is, is probably the biggest spell ever, um, but they only work if you believe in them. Yes. And this is why I stress, if you have eyes to see, then you can see, oh, that's social engineering, or you're manipulating me, or you know you know your logical fallacies, this kind of thing, your maxims, all of this, then it doesn't work, because you right. can see, and then you can laugh in the faces of these right, right. clever fools. Right. And even, you know, so for example, this morning, I was feeling like a wave of depression. And you, once you realize that these are programs, sent right. in whether they're written here there or they're written by the archons whatever they are their programs that come in and when you realize that you can dissipate or you can just say it's going to pass or you know but that's the only way is, is the recognition it's like anything in the spiritual anything if you take a real spiritual path it all involves some sort of self-reflection watching your experience watching your thoughts not feeding as the as the native americans say don't feed you know the the, the dark the dark dog you know uh, feed the feed the white happy tail wagging dog i don't know this i forget how it goes oh 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 the wolf the wolf the which wolf. wolf and a white wolf right exactly. right right you're feeding one or the other in mm -hmm. in the yoga system they call it feeding um they call it, they call it uh well, feeding, you can feed ignorance or you can feed, feed knowledge, right. Right? right? So when you're realizing it, you're feeding the knowledge. And again, the structure is always the same. The structure of, of spirituality and, and, and imbuing it and um, embodying it is the same as embodying this, this, this crap, this, this dark view, this idea that some sort of you know transhuman Marxist vision is going to be the savior. I'll go back to yoga. There's another yoga sutra that addresses this. Uh, Vitarka Bhadane Pratipaksha Bhavanam. So bhava is your way of becoming. It's from the root B-H-U, which means to become. It's how you are constantly becoming in the world. So you're constantly becoming. And so if you have thoughts that oppress you, cultivate their opposites. You do not try to suppress, but you make energetic progress toward the good. So you cultivate and cultivating the opposite, that's what you're doing. Vitarka bhadane, pratipaksha bhavanam. If you have thoughts that are oppressive to you, cultivate their opposites. Because, yeah. You know, feed the positive, make energetic progress toward the good, work toward beauty. It's not going to change what's going on in the greater scheme of things in the greater world. But in in yoga philosophy, the yogi's universe is the their universe of experience. It's an experiential universe. Not not a universe that's a concept in the mind so you have a concept we can't con we don't know the universe we don't experience 
you know, outer space. We don't experience a solar system unless we're, you know, somehow involved in that world. Your universe as a yogi or a yogini is your, your field of experience, your immediate field of experience. And that's what you can affect. So you can provide uplift. You can bring beauty into every aspect of your life. If you're cooking breakfast, Steve loves to do breakfast. He always makes it beautiful. The food is beautiful. The present, that's just breakfast, right? All of your implements can be beautiful. Don't accept plastic or paper napkins or paper tablecloths or whatever, whatever, whatever. Use the real genuine article. Why? Because it feeds you. Plastic is dead. It transmits nothing. Silver, on the other hand, can kill bacteria that are detrimental to you. But use genuine articles in everything and make it you want to be obsessive? Make that your obsession. Be obsessed with beauty. In your speech, don't use LOL. Uplift. Use a inspire. smile. Use a smile instead. <laughs> <laughs> right? So bring it back. Revivify your linguistic acuity. Develop that as a skill, as a life skill. Isn't that a program, right? So the language has been impoverished. I even remember in grade school, and I'm 73, so that's going way back. In, in grade school, noticing that my vocabulary was different from my classmates, and I used to dumb it down. Mm -hmm. and, then I, and then I became aware of it at some point in my life, and I was like, okay, I need to stop that. Mm -hmm. If I have, because what I would do was, a more complex word or phraseology would come into me, and then I would put it aside and use the more common parlance instead, so as to not stand out in the crowd, right? And that's Mark Twain's fault. But go ahead. He wrote, he wrote one of his sayings that I don't like, is that don't use the 25-cent word when the nickel word will do. Oh. Well, <laughs> maybe he was talking about sutras. He had... He had <laughs> Yeah, it's a so, better sense. Anyway, make it what you do. Make it who you are. Make that part of your being that everything you do uplifts and makes the world more beautiful because everything you do affects everyone around you and it has a ripple effect. So that goes out into the world. It does make a difference. Beautiful. So, that reminds me of one of the lines from one of my poetic poetic transmission says one by one becomes most all oh perfect yeah yeah so let's finish the first hour here this is beautiful place to end and i will invite listeners who want to absorb more of this incredible wisdom from my friends the crimmies to join us at the mushroomsapprentice.com and you can subscribe. It's $8 a month. So that's probably a Starbucks coffee and you will be able to listen to the second hour. So, all right. And in the second hour, we're going to get into Tavistock. We're going to get more into what you, you were exploring, mm -hmm. Steve. Okay. And, and yeah. also, 
Chris, you're going to talk about a series of events that happened in 1947 and, and the interesting timing of all of that. So there's a lot, lot more to explore, and we'll see you all in the second hour. Thanks, Shona. Very good. Welcome back to the second hour. I am here with the Krimis and let's go to you, Steve, and continue on the Tavistock. Let's let's learn a bit more about this. Right. So we mentioned uh, in the first part, uh, Tavistock comes out of something called the Wellington House. And um, this is also involved with this uh, John Rawlins Rees, R-E-E-S. And he was with the British Psychological Warfare uh, Bureau. He's the one who studied the shell-shocked soldiers um, in World War One. He's also the person responsible for bringing us um, these uh, wonderful luminaries like Henry Kissinger. Um, so, uh, so this is sort of the, the, the ground of them. They're they're taking Freudian uh, Freudian psychology and using it to manipulate. So the the idea is that if you can manipulate individuals well let's see how we can manipulate the culture right so this is this is the basic thing so they were all bringing in all these wonderful um ideas to to um people like uh so there's someone named kurt lewin was a big person he was sort of this transition he worked for both i think the um the frankfurt school and for uh, tavistock institute and so we, we we also mentioned briefly, like for example, the uh, the bringing of the Beatles to America uh, right after the the, uh, the murder of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and um, so you know this is a sort of manipulation of the culture. And as you said, people are just getting more and more um, diseducated. And this is one of the things that bugs me about JFK actually is that JFK who was maybe the last president uh, the United States had, who was well-versed in the classics, you know, when you had RFK, uh, his brother, you know, would, would be um, quoting, you know, Latin poets during his campaign stops and things like that, you know. I mean, that sort of thing is lost. But what, but what JFK did to the education system was it turned it totally on it, on into a technological educational system and it decreased emphasis on the classics. All right. So this is, again, part of the Tavistockian thing, whether he knew it or not, um, bringing in technology over over this innate knowledge of Western civilization that would come through the classics and the studying of the mythology and studying of these these great antique writers. Yeah, go ahead. And I'd just like to interject that that we did not realize until we studied with the Kingsleys that Western civilization has sacred origins. And we were never taught that. All we get is like the latter period where it's all um, like industrial revolution timing. But if you go way back to the pre-Socratics to Parmenides and Empedocles, these people were yogis, really. They were what were called iatromantis, 
but healer priests. And they would do a practice called incubation where they would go into a dark cave and do a, almost like if you know yoga, it's the corpse pose, Shavasana, Shavasana, where you lay down and just complete release, total surrender. And that then they would go down into the dark places of wisdom and meet with the goddess and come back with the law for the people. They would meet with justice and bring back her words. And they had to be impeccable in their in their uh, transmission. So, you know, we're, we're lost to that knowledge that we have sacred foundations. So I just wanted to bring that in. Awesome. Right. Right. And, and not only, not, yeah, so we don't even know that we've lost them. That's how well they rubbed it out, you know, and that is why we have to go elsewhere. That's why, you know, at the time we went to India because we, we had no access. We as a culture, not we've, we as never, a culture, we've never been to India. No, but, but to but, Indian philosophy and yeah. to people in China and whatever, Hawaiian uh, kahunas and, you know, the, where there's some sort of living tradition um, that's still you know, in whatever, whatever um, form it's still in there, they have something, they, they know they had something in Native American stuff you mentioned earlier, you know. Um, so, but in the West, we've been uh, denuded of that. And that really starts, if you, want to, if you want to get into it, it really gets starts with Aristotle. So it really starts early on. I mean, Plato is part of it. And, but Aristotle, of course, because I just want to go back to the poem Parmenides, and I think this is essential because no one knows it. Anybody can look up Tavistock, right? Um, the, um, the, the Parmenides wrote a poem, and, it, and it, it's, it's an incantatory poem, right? That they must have used in, in, his, in his circles um, to go into, it's, it's about going into the underworld and meeting she's not named, it's just called Thea, Thea, the goddess, which, but because she's in the underworld, you have to assume it's Persephone, right? Because Persephone didn't like to be named, okay? That was one of her attributes. So, so they would just call her mostly, she's very uh, well known in Sicily and Southern Italy, um, besides in, in Greece. Um, Sicily was actually a wedding present from Zeus to Persephone. <laughs> So, whoever that, for whatever that's worth. But she um, is the mystery. But when you get the mystery religion, she is the mystery. Yes, and um, and I you know, I don't want to get into the experiential level of that because because it's put it this way, I was once touched as lightly as I possibly could on my third eye during a long period uh, after a long period of meditation by, I'll just call her by Thea and it was like as light as I could possibly touch and it just blew me the frig away okay it was like she was doing everything she could not to destroy me all right this is the, so this is the power that exists with the gods and in those realms right and so I've always been interested in those realms and not in you know oh what do my guides say you know that's you know which is important I guess but that's why I, I fumble around all the time because I don't have any guides I just have gods so anyway the point being that Parmenides goes into the underworld and, and gets two aspects of wisdom from the goddess, all right? So one of them is about what, 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 uh, what we call being, right? 
And this is what we say, being just is. There's only this oneness, it's indivisible, it has no beginning, it has no end, it's eternal, all these, you know, things that we would we would put on, you know, the, the oneness and, and things like that, all these descriptions of it, right? And she goes through all these series of 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 logic about it. And then she gives a second set of teachings of which we don't have the whole uh, poem, but among them, she says, look, but you have to live in the world. So I'm going to give you the most up-to-date information about the world. So she teaches, and it's the first time that, for example, the um, Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Can uh, Capricorn, these sort of lines in, the, in how the world is, is created um, are talked about. So she gives him all this kind of navigational knowledge for the world, what we called Metis earlier, right? So, so on top of that, and this is this is Parmenides in incubation, making this underground journey led by the daughters of the sun. It's Catabasis. all right, Catabasis, which is the name of my book, is, is about the underground journeys where the wisdom is. So you you get to Plato. So anyway, oh, so so the logic that that the goddess gives Parmenides to bring back is a logic to take this world of, of, of multiplicity and return it back to unity, all right, so that you can experience the unity of everything, okay? Aristotle turns it in reverse, that, and he uses that to categorize and to divide the world further and further and further into discrete parts. So what's that? MK Ultra. MK Ultra, right. So there's another early form. So this is why I'm not a big fan of Aristotle. Plato, you know, he has this very famous allegory of the cave, right? Which everybody, most people know about where you're chained, you're staring straight ahead, and there's a fire way back. And in front of the fire are carried objects. And then you see them projected in front of you. So you think the objects are are what what is right instead of knowing the objects are behind you and it's just a projection of it right um a lot of problems with it but we'll just take it on the surface and you know somebody gets to break loose and come up to the world and see the act the real world right um so a couple of problems one with plato's one is because the the his uh his end note his wisdom is always abstracted it's always out there somewhere Right. And there's no tradition of people, you know, where's the Indian tradition, Celtic traditions, there are people who are sages there. And there's no tradition of there's, a, there's you know, Patinus, but it's all intellectual tradition. As far as I know, there's not a realization tradition all that much, certainly with Plato. But what he does, he takes this underground. So everybody before that, the pre-Socratics, Pythagoras, Pythagoras had a, had a chamber under his house where he would go into uh, incubation. Right. Um, every temple had an underground incubation. Every healing center had incubation um, places where either the priest would incubate for you or you would incubate, Asclepius would come, give you your healing, right? Healing, wisdom, all these things were all, and law were all tied up together. What Plato does to, I think, the great detriment of everything is take what was originally the place of wisdom, which was the cave, the feminine, and pull it out into the rational sun, right? So he destroyed that connection to the, um, to, to the Chthonic deities. And by doing that, he, he made rationalism a deity. 
And so that, and as I, as I love to say, you can't get to the real through thought, yet that comes up over and over again in Plato. So this, this is, I think this is fundamental to understand um, that, you know, that, that, that underground Chthonic wisdom, you know, I mean, you know, where are the mushrooms? The mushrooms are connected to vast, the vast underground, Darkness. right? Absolutely. You know, you know, and so this is the wisdom that's coming up and that, that you're tapping into, right? Um, and coming in, coming out through you. So this is, so this is what we lost, you know, and I, I think it's really important to state that because no one knows what we've lost, um, you know, unless there's just a, just, you know, a handful of people who are, who are really, you know, writing about this and, and, and coming to grips with this, you know, as we go into the end of this cycle and to hold on to what light we can as we go through this cycle, I think is hugely important. Okay. So that's all in the, that, that loss is all in, in, in the background of why you're able to manipulate everybody. You can't, you know, you, you know, you can't go in and manipulate a real shaman, you know, yeah. and, and, and throw, and throw shade on everything and say, you know, whatever, you know, oh, you don't know which way, whether the earth goes around the sun or the sun goes around the earth or whatever, you know, it's really, it's really the, uh, you know, you go through all these mechanizations and all this, and it's really the, the earth going around the sun. And the shaman says, yeah, well, screw you, because I wake up, I go praise that thing that comes up right over there, and I bless it, and I sacralize it in my life, and during the day, it does this, it moves across, you know, that is life. And that's the yogi's universe of that, experience. And that's the universe. That's, that's where we really live. Universe. I have to, how far do I have to abstract to live? I can't even live. How can I even live my life with, with, with the earth going around the sun? I can't, right? I can't have a lived experience of that, right? So this is all, whether, you know, and everything of course happens, you know, well, it happens when you do these certain things or you follow these scientific prescription when you do all these things well that's what happens you, the earth can go around that to go around the, the sun and the sun you know goes around the center of the galaxy and this that and the other thing but that's fine but that's not where we live but then don't you also think that this is where the deep grief of our of our nation and our culture western civilization yeah. stems from yes. that there's unspoken grief deep grief and we don't know why we don't know what we're grieving for We've lost the, that sacred origin. Mm -hmm. And I'll go back to the Kingsleys again, but Peter Kingsley always talked about the need to resound the original note that mm. our Western civilization was begun with. And when you use the language of frequency, that makes sense. So notes deteriorate, frequencies deteriorate, cultures deteriorate. What has a beginning has an end, but it needs to be resounded from a spiritual perspective. That spiritual origin of our Western civilization has deteriorated. So you've got, well, maybe like we're at the point where the octave is finished and you're in the interval that, that Gurdjieff talks about. So the law of sevens. So you've got these seven notes and then you have the interval and you've got the octave interval. And it's a place of no place. And you enter into this very frightening no place, but then you resound that octave and you live another cycle of frequency, yeah. Yeah. Mm, uh, an octave higher. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. A uh, friend uh, of mine talked about the tarot cards and how they're indicative of kind of where we are at and how this whole COVID thing was the tower card. Mm. Oh, yes. Good. Or that was the the devil card. And that's all the satanic shit that's just mm. so, so easy to see, if you have eyes to see. And what comes after the tower is um, 17, the water uh, pour, the, the, she's a god. The water bearer. Water, yeah, she's pouring the water. Mm -hmm. So she comes afterwards and it reminds me, um, I'll just digress for just a moment. I, I did a mushroom journey back in 2018, I think it was in April. And the beings were, to, I was still on the West Coast and I had this little 1998 car. I'm I'm the queen of the $3,000 car. But anyway, <laughs> it cost me 1500 But in any case, I had this uh, 1998 Camry and the beings on the mushroom said to me, your car is a 98, a 17, a starry gate. And when I got out of that, I was like, I think 17 is the star. I think that's the star card. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and then I looked it up and sure enough. Oh, so this is what's what comes after the tower, the, the, the uh, tower is the star. Oh, the and star, so, okay. wasn't that a cute thing? 17. Was that yeah, 17 is the big one. Eight, yeah, how they love to play with words. And, and they said they'd also talked about how my car is a 98. And talking about how that was before they rearranged the stage and that would be 9-11 when the shit hit the fan and then like mm. everything you know we're in a sec i think that was actually the first kind of reset to this reset that we're in yes, right i think so yeah 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 i think the the kennedy assassination was the was the trauma mm -hmm. um, and then this was the reinstigation of that on 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 a much worse level um you know, because, you know, because you had a generation of people who had not lived through Kennedy. Um, and then, yeah. and then now you had the, the COVID, which is, of course, the next generation, because people, you know, the, uh, the current young generation were maybe two years old or something during, during 9-11. Mm. You know, we're lucky enough to have lived through them all, um, which means, you know, we're kind of in the, you know, won't get fooled again stage of things. <laughs> um, yes, because you can see the pattern. You can but, see, yeah. but but the 9-11, so you know, going back to where you talked about 9-11 was a pure spell. It was an absolute and complete spell, and it worked really well for them. There's still you still can't on the news, even even you know, the esteemed Tucker Carlson can't contradict the 9-11 uh, government conspiracy theory, you know. No, um, no, no, no. But also you're talking with the whole trauma and then suggesting. So there was the trauma of what happened, you know, I remember very well that. And and then what did Mr. Bush say? Go shopping. Go shopping. Go shopping. And then he also said we will tolerate no conspiracy theories, which is a CIA term, of course. So mm -hmm. that got planted in people's heads because mm -hmm. that's like the perfect phrase that that just absolutely shuts down any kind of inquiry. Or you know, discussion of maybe um, you know alternative p possibilities. Yeah. It's so, like end of argument. Yeah, they just use yeah. that. Oh, sorry, you know, or you know, so I certainly prefer Gore Vidal's saying, "Well, I'm, 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 I'm a conspiracy observer." You know, 
you know and but then this is you know and this is the destruction of 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 even even the superficial aspects of of logic um and were you talking about the uh, the trivium with robert phoenix was it? It right it. right so you know and that's and that's part of it that's that's you know the the you know true understanding of logic and i said it goes back to this um to to uh the goddess giving giving us a way a methodology back to oneness you know from the multiplicity um and instead it got turned into its opposite so yeah so so logic um uh grammar and rhetoric are, are the trivium mm -hmm. right and and these this was a standard sacred uh, education the trivium and the quadrivium um according to Crete to Keith Critchlow, who we studied sacred geometry with, are the body of Mary. That's exactly how we put it. Oh, keep going on that one. Um, wish I could, but you know, so the quadrivium is 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 for the physical study. So that's math, um, as it were, number, qua number, and then um, geometry, then music, and then astronomy. So it's um, number in itself number in space which is geometry um mm -hmm. music is number in time mm -hmm. and then uh, number and space and time is uh is that you can call it cosmology mm -hmm. you know or or, or or however you want to put it um and so that's the quadrivium that you would study and then logic grammar so this is all the body of the mother so this is this is these are the you know the the sacred aspects of Mary as 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 the mother of everything and and the, the great cathedral. So we studied with him at Chartres Cathedral, which was you know which was uh, an altering experience for us um, to be there with him and you know take the sacred window portals and then draw them you know and figure out how they worked and find the geometry behind them. Um, you know he's he was brilliant. And he then visit the holy well underneath. Right you talk about in the dark places of wisdom in where that would be held there's a well a holy well underneath the cathedral that of we course. got to visit as well right which was the original place and there was a statue of mary holding a child Although which was supposedly pre-christian juridic it's a copy yeah i don't think it was mary right it was a pre-christian right but it was the mother cat holding right. the child so right. it would, literally would have been mary correct right right so that's part of it and that was before the cathedral was built it was a druidic shrine and that's that was part of the shrine pre-christian that that there was a statue of a mother and a child there and a seated mother and child and so there's a copy of it but to show you so they're getting back to the destruction of reason during the french revolution right they repurposed or after the french revolution or whatever they they repurposed the cathedrals to what they call the goddess of reason right and what and and you know so apparently the goddess reason wanted them to you know to to aim their guns at the you know the the uh, 900 year old statues on the front and um and then they desecrated I don't even want to get into how um they desecrated the holy well they desacralized everything and oh. this was in honor of the goddess of reason so just to show you i mean you so talk about you know what i mean like i think that was the propaganda that was created by shall we say the um 
by, by the kind of Frankfurt-esque folks of the day, mm -hmm. right? Like Robespierre Good. and those two other pieces of human. Murat and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. Murat and URT. too. Yeah, that they would have to create something like that, 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 that people could kind of embrace as their conviction toward, you know, this uprising. Right. There so, was, yeah. Yeah, there was a madness in that. I think at some point, um, maybe you would be interested in, I'm so taken with the Parmenides poem and his, the that is a catabasis going down into the underworld and meeting with, with the goddess. That poem is so powerful. And since you, you have such a beautiful connection with poetry, maybe at some point it would be nice to do a, a breakdown of that journey into the underworld. Wow. And have a conversation around it. Oh, I would love that. We started to do that with Danny Katz on her podcast. And yeah. did, you know, we got a little bit ways into it, but it goes on for a bit. Uh -huh. um, but it's a very, very powerful incantation. Oh, well, let's do that for the spring, you guys. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, uh, you know, a lot of the scholars would read this, this poem and mock it saying, well, you know, it's not very good poetry because it doesn't rhyme. And, you know, he just keeps repeating himself. <laughs> Peter Kingsley was like, well, hold on a minute. That's an incantation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's, let's reframe the way we're looking at it and approach it from that perspective and then it opens itself up to you so you're then you have accessibility into that incantation and it carries you well yes and because it is so powerful in that way sort of to the average person or scholar whose mind has really become sterilized cold they're not going to get it they, no, they just can't. They, they they cannot receive it. Right. Right. It's true. It's yeah. unfortunate, well, but that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah, because we've lost the connection. You know, mm -hmm. the Rumi's famous uh, his his uh, really long poem called the Mathnawi, um, which is really nested stories. Begins right. So I sing the song of the reed. Uh, so what happens is the reed gets cut from the reed bed and then becomes the nay flute. And what is the nay flute? Is the most one of the most mournful flutes, right? The Sufis mm -hmm. always play it. And what is it? It's always singing of its longing to return to the reed bed, oh. right? So, you know, and then so he's bringing this realization. So all art really is a longing to return to the sacred origin. And it's a depiction, uh, depiction of that. And even further than that, there's there's and and at the heart of the of the, of the divine of the mother of the you know the great matrix the unmanifest. At the heart of that is a longing of her to become, to become this world. I mean, there's longing. The Sophia, you mean? Lo yes, however you want to put it, the Sophia. Even in the even in the the Gnostic Sophia myth, she longs to become her creation, right? So this 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 longing 
this longing is deep. I mean, it's at the heart of every molecule. You know, molecules don't exist, but of every fat, woven into the entire fabric of our experience, everything that longing is there. The longing to return, the longing to be. It's 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 right at the heart of all of it. And you know, it's and you know, and it's it's like I said, we've lost that in this tradition. The Sufis still hold on to it, you know, and in, in in you know, Rumi had it, Rumi understood it, you know. Mystics. And mystics, I think, in any yeah. tradition. Yeah, you know, in the um mm -hmm. the Upanishads or the Vedas, you know, they they would um I, I, you know, I, I long to be known. I right? was a hidden jewel, uh, that's and a, I wanted to be known. Right. So the divine. So this, this is our yes. birthright: is to understand as best as we can our, our, our connection with our divine origin, our divine within. However, you know, however you want to put it, because all language breaks down and becomes paradox when, when you get closer and closer. That's how you know you're close. Is, is that paradoxes are everywhere. You know, the language breaks down because it can't. You can't hold the paradox. This is what's so despicable about artificial intelligence and the arrogance that they think that they can. I we were just watching the video that someone sent us on um, quantum mechanics and the quantum field and all this scientific entree into your mind and your DNA and how it can be replicated and how now this is Christ consciousness. And it's all this scientific gobbledygook it's dehumanization yes it really is We're and they they're patting themselves on the back as you know how brilliant they are mm -hmm. yet there's none of this warm compassionate spiritual um mm -hmm. even spiritual is is a word that's so hackneyed but the humanity and the divinity that hieros gamos mm -hmm. of the divine and and the human and, and the material in, in yoga it's purusha which is pure consciousness and prakriti which is all of manifestation so it's the wedding of those two that is our experience that's how we experience and move through life is through that sacred wedding and they just take that and just like oh we're such brilliant physicists and look at this man he's not just a brilliant physicist. He is the most brilliant physicist and he's got all the answers. And I was just nauseated when I saw that. Well, it's, yeah, it's just all steps towards, towards you know, the mechanization. And, the, you know, and this goes back again to the Marxists who were a, you know, complete radical atheists that human beings have, have nothing, but they're just they're just, um, you know, the, the born on the winds of, of historical forces, and that's really all there is. So there is no, you know, well, they're they're they're, but they be, they they took all the artifacts of religion, and turned it into an anti-religion. So for them, the fall would be, would be the division of labor into oppressor and oppressed, right? So they've taken so every aspect of 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 religion and so redemption, or you know, or, or the um, um, you know the, the the Easter 
the Easter, uh, the resurrection. Easter as a resurrection. Thank you. I couldn't come up with that right. word. The re Easter resurrection would be the you know the rising of the people into a full embodiment of 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 this sort of communist world, you know, where everyone was equal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, so, also that there had to be a crucifixion of of all religion and spirituality and culture. So right. you had to die right. who you were. And in this, when they brought that into education system, the teacher had to die teacher qua teacher and be reborn as an equal to the student. Right. So everyone's on an equal footing and the student is the teacher and the teacher is the student and there's no you know, hierarchy. Right. Everybody gets everybody gets a trophy everybody for gets participating, right? So this is this that so that's a specific Tavistock thing, all right. The idea of employee of the month is a Tavistock direct Tavistock mm. thing, right? Um, a group dynamics, um, and and then what what Saul Linsky, um, who was who um, who was, was a the, mentor the of, mentor of, of Obama. Obama and and Hillary. Um, Where did I hear? Was it you guys or someone? Would, did Saul Lewinsky write a book that he dedicated to Lucifer? Was yes. that yes. Rules yes. for Radicals? It could be Rules for Radicals, might be another one. But Rules for Radicals, apparently, and I haven't read it, is if you want to understand the game plan, that's to read, you know, that's the book to read. Could be the thorn that removes the thorn. You know. So if we were to read that book and and flip it and apply it to them maybe that would be one way to counter their work so yeah so so that's so that's so the, all these these are all tavistock programs um you know and then and then this the through the 60s there was this you know uh, promulgation of hedonism and as we mentioned earlier we all know now the pro promiscuity then of course the drugs were basically all um, a CIA op. They supplied all of San Francisco with drugs, um, you know. And that's not to deny the fact that because because it was it was an Aquarian uprising of some kind, right? And the music was astonishingly good. You yes, know, however, you know, however you want to parse it and say it was controlled and um, you know say it was. It was just a program. It wasn't a program because these, it was, to my mind anyway, it was a it was a controlling of that output of creativity, and funneling it in the directions that they wanted it to go, which ended up being the drugs and what have you. I think that's a really good right, point. you know, and um, and and then channeling the you know the art into into certain non-interesting directions and and in a lot of that infill and infantilization of it too you know with all the cartoons and the comic books etc mm -hmm. um so look but, at all the, but the doors i mean the doors still hold up you oh, know Lord. Yeah. you know the music the, the music was was really good oh, you know so i know nice. you're a little young but uh you know the music <laughs> is there <laughs> from rerun you know, yeah. so, you know, so, so, so they were controlling it and, and they start, like I said, we said before, they started with the Beatles. Um, and so Tavistock is like, it's like hooked into all of, all of the control system things. So you have to just look at it as like a big squid with, with a thousand arms, right? So you're talking about NATO, the World Economic Forum, talking about, uh, if you heard of the Club of Rome? Oh, yes. All right, yeah. so the 
Club of Rome is is uh, they use the word Malthusian all the time, right? Population is going to increase to the point we got to get rid of people. So you hook in in eugenics with that, all the eugenics people, which goes back to um, Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, and their grandfather. Paul Ehrlich, the population yeah. bomb, remember that? Right, right. So the Club of Rome, and, and people still use it. We had to, you know, we had to um, school some friends on, on, you know, on the preposition. Somebody was sending around, you know, a thing which was all based on the Club of Rome and environmental and based on the Club of Rome's false presuppositions. So no one examines presuppositions. They just take it. So this is, so this was, this is what the Club of Rome did this environmentally. They said, we're all going to grow to the point where we're going to be unsustainable. And, um, you know, so, and, and all their predictions were based on, you know, computers, you know, the, that, that are like the size of, you know, calculators or something that they, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? Um, Council of Foreign Relations, the, um, the IMF, NASA. NASA is another one that comes out of uh, Project Paperclip, um, which, is, which is the bringing the Nazis in uh, both the science under the guise of, oh, we need their scientists because the Nazi scientists were just, you know, scientists qua scientists. They were only interested in, in, in the scientists. Well, you've got Werner von Braun, who uh, the whole UFO uh, community lionizes. Oh, he said, you know, eventually it's going to be a false flag UFO thing. Well, Werner von Braun ran a slave camp inside a mountain where they built his rockets. Um, with 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 Jewish and um, uh, gypsy slaves, that that twenty thousand of them worked inside this mountain, grueling away to build his little uh, V two rockets. Right. So this is a guy that comes the head of and and the, the he was the scientific head of the camp, and the actual head of the camp became the actual head of NASA. Right. So all this call for, you know, Nuremberg two. Well, I don't want Nuremberg two because Nuremberg one. All the real bad guys got away. All the heads of IG Farben, all these 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 chemical evil people. But evil Nuremberg people. wasn't for those guys ever. Right. Exactly. Nuremberg was for the public. Yes. Yeah. And more manipulation. I so, think so. Yeah, we got the bad guys. Meanwhile, the worst of them were brought over here first class. Yeah. And put oh, in yeah. amazing positions, which is a face slap isn't even the right mm -hmm. um, expression, but like you want to talk about a face slap to all the good men and women who served this country, who fought and died for our, are you kidding? And that's mm. what this country did. Brilliant. When we first moved to Asheville, and I don't know how accurate this is, but someone told us that at the Grove Arcade, which is the most, huh? Grove Park Inn. Oh, excuse me. The Grove Park Inn was like the most posh resort area, hotel, gorgeous, drop-dead gorgeous. And they brought in these Nazi officers as quote-unquote prisoners of war and housed them in palatial surroundings. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a slap right. in the I face. Mean, the Grove Park Inn is where Obama stays when he comes to Asheville. Oh, how interesting. Okay. When he was president. So there's that. And, you know, where, where he, he got down with the proletariat by golfing with bankers. And that's what these sort of leaders and agents want anyway. They want the minds of our young. They want us out of the way, but they want the minds of their our young to manipulate and steer. 
and and to disregard anything of beauty i mean 1984 was essentially notice and and brave new world that mm-hmm. was that, mm-hmm. that, that was giving us notice that was yeah non-fiction of mm-hmm. i think structures that were already in place but here's what's coming mm-hmm. you know your mm-hmm. you know the gloves will be off in in a couple of decades yeah. and right right yeah the huxley thing is real interesting that family so you got Aldous Huxley, who interestingly enough um, died the same day Kennedy was uh, was assassinated, and, uh, and who else was it? Um, um, the other, the other, uh, another, another very famous writer who will come to me uh, also died on that day. Um, the and he had his wife injected LSD into him. I heard he, that. He died yeah. on acid, right? But his and his. Um, his, but his brother was a big eugenicist, and I would assume him too, um, uh, Julian Huxley, and their grandfather also was a big eugenicist, and I can't remember the grandfather's name, but the grandfather was the person who brought Darwin out of obscurity into prom- into prominence, um, and this would be through, you know, through whatever early versions of the... Uh, Oh, you guys, I, I tried to find John Taylor Gatto gave a, he was giving a talk and he quoted Darwin on the Irish and it was uh, so disdainful. So, hmm. oh, dare I say racist. Uh, it, was, oh. <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting. And, and, uh, you know, just relegating the Irish to the absolute bottom of the social right. heat. Of course. Well, you know why, and you know one of the reasons why British mm-hmm. hate the Irish. I think it's yeah. professional jealousy, but do tell. Oh, yes. That's well, exactly exact, right. That's exactly <laughs> it. The British, the British, by the time, yeah, by the time the 1600s roll around, they have raised the English language, the Shakespearean days, and uh, and all of that. They, they've raised up the English language, you know, out of the out of what was then the gutter into into an incredible language. Um, of expression because and it's a great language for expression because it's got because of the uh, William the Conqueror in the 1100s brought in all these French so it's got a, a whole series of, of of French derived words Latin derived words and then and Germanic then, Greek. and then the Germanic and the you know and the uh, uh, Saxon words and Greek right right Greek coming through there so it's an incredibly rich language um, that's why Shakespeare used you know, I forget what it is. It's like Shakespeare did use 15,000 different words and half of them only once, right? So something along those lines. Um, and Shakespeare was, I'll just say it flatly, Edward de Vere was Shakespeare. Edward de Vere? Oh, yeah, Edward de Vere, that's my assessment. But anyway. Um, that's the next episode. <laughs> that's, a whole other, that's a whole other thing, the writer of the Shakespeare plays. But what was, what what the, then the, then the, the English conquer Ireland Right, and they and they drum out their language as best as they can, right? Mm-hmm. Almost completely. Um, you know, it's a great scene in uh, James Joyce's Ulysses, right towards the beginning, where this woman delivers milk to the uh, to the the three boys in the tower, and um, you know, and it's uh, but basically the woman's the woman has has lost her Irish language. This is an old woman delivering delivering milk. You know, and then there's the English guy there who's studying Irish, right? You know, oh, to like, yeah. to like, you know, thumb, stick your thumb in, you know, even worse after you've destroyed the language. Well, I'm going to come in there and study Gaelic, right? 
and and they and he asks her if she speaks Gaelic. Says no, but I, but I hear it's a grand language. So it's, he's already you know in 1912 talking about the loss of Gaelic, right? But what the Irish do through him and through um, through Joyce and and uh, Yeats and 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 all these incredible writers is that they they outdo once they learn English, they write better than the British ever possibly could. Yeah. Right. And that pisses them off to know. Yes. Because they think, because they, because they just in their heads they're still friggin' Shakespeare, but they're not anymore. They're, I have a theory that you only try to control something that you fear. Right. You fear, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, I think that is an interesting point to make in lieu of just the subject matter we've been discussing, because, I, you know, I mean, I said yes, humanity is circling the, to the toilet right now. But at the same time, we're unpredictable and we are capable of such exquisite beauty. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, exquisite yes. and full of surprises. Yes. And, and this is a concerted effort that has gone on for way over a century, probably well longer than that, really. Mm -hmm. But to stamp out that beauty and that spirit that lives in humanity to the point where now we are looking down the barrel of a gun called AI, you know, that that seeks to completely eradicate any kind of humanity, mm -hmm. um, the transhumanism, um, also an, a complete annihilation of the masculine through emasculating our Isn't masculine that that's one of their programs mm -hmm. horrible horrible television shows and lots of quote-unquote comedy mm -hmm. where the mm -hmm. father is made to look like an absolute buffoon mm -hmm. and now the erasure of the feminine and so no more breastfeeding no it's chest feeding and it's pregnant person like so yeah. women are all so what's happening is it's a mockery of humanity an absolute mockery, a mockery. of the creator's creation yeah. and a, a mockery of the goddess and yeah let's, and let's remember that the tavistock institute um up until recently has been had been uh, they had a medical arm that was doing all the transgender operations at Tavistock. Tavistock, it's a Tavistock, Tavistock um, oh. um, clinic, I think it's called, right? Indeed. So they've been they've been amongst the most fiercest uh, promulgators of this transgender movement and this, um, you know, having all these horrific operations on people, and then of course, then you're hooked into this the medical system for the rest of your 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 life which you you know with so many people it's just so sad they're mm -hmm. you know they're they're killing themselves after this and you can't yes and just, oh it's horrible you know, I've so, seen so, probably half a dozen videos of people who regret it yeah. and I I've just wept for those oh, so, so Tavistock directly involved in doing the operations and there was such an outcry because someone's uh somebody sued or something like that because of the treatment from them so they I think they've stopped doing it actively but they're still uh, promoting it and 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 referring people and the other overt tavistock so tavistock is again like the cia was used to be in the background you know and now they're you know 
you know, like I said, John Brennan, CNN, uh, the, the, a person, uh, Richard Allen, who was, who was one of the heads, the vice presidents of Tavistock in 2018, became the vice president of public policy for Facebook. All right. So, so the Tavistock came out, you know, again, became public. And, um, and now, because Facebook wasn't controlled enough, they needed to have their guy directly there from England to go and control Facebook, which is, you know, um, you know, we've certainly abjured Facebook, we abjure all social media, really. Mm -hmm. so, um, um, anyway, so uh, just to say, it's still happening. This is not stuff that happened in the past. This right. is still the structure of the control system. You know, all the, all everything, all the, all the stuff coming out of the World Economic Forum is again, you know, forms of critical theory, forms of, of breaking, breaking down and then implementing. Oh, the, the 1947. Business. So I know we got time to get into 1947. Yes, we do. We, yeah, okay. we're good. We're right. good. So, Cause oh, that's okay. a, that's a pivotal, so that's a pivotal year right after World War II, trauma of World War II you know, form of the shock doctrine. Everyone is kind of shocked. They just want to come home and make babies, you know, and 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 eat some, you know, lasagna. And then um <laughs> well, yes. My family anyway. <laughs> my family it was lasagna. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so so in the wake of that, they were able to institute their their programs. So Chris has got a list of some of the things that happened. In 1947. This is kind of like the other bullet point thing, you know, so we'll uh, just go over it and we get as far as we get because it just goes on and on and on. Um, so in I started to notice as, as I was doing certain readings that 1947 kept coming up over and over. And I never really wrote it down. And I was always chiding myself for not writing down because, dang, you know, there's that number again. So about two nights ago, I said, I'm just going to look up on Wikipedia. I'll just go to 1947 and see what pops up. And quite a few of them were there. And I think there are more. If I pay attention as time goes by, I can add to the list. But these are some of the ones that I thought were pivotal. So Tavistock Institute heads the list. Tavistock was started in 1947. <laughs> oh Officially, yeah. Official. Der Spiegel was published in Hanover, Germany. Wow. The communists took over power in Poland. Voice of America broadcast into Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. The International Monetary Fund begins to operate. Oh, wow. IMF, right, so 1947. Werner so. von Braun marries his first cousin. His first cousin? Oh, my God. They're all right? so red. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could you could flesh that out to a certain extent. Treaty of Dunkirk, so mutual assistance between UK and France. The Cold War begins. So you were not over, you know, just about over the hot war. Now we're going to, oh, we'll have a Cold right, War. Right, Soviet Union lost 20 million in World War II. Never talked about. Oh, my God. Interestingly now, what bubbles up? The Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran Caves. Mm. Right. And you got the Nakamadi in there too? I don't. Right. So, the, so this is interesting as a counterbalance to all this, the Dead Sea Scrolls emerge and the, uh, and, and the Nakamadi scriptures, the ancient Gnostic scriptures. The that Gnostics. Were buried, they, they both emerge then. 
And the whole Gnostic story is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Marshall Plan is implemented to bring relief to Europe. Marshall Plan comes out of the earlier mentioned Pilgrim Society. And it comes from General Marshall, who was the Secretary of State at the time. And he gave this speech at Harvard. Harvard University comes up quite a bit. Not in this list, but in your studies. The first UFO sighting near Mount Rainier in Washington. The Diary of Anne Frank is published. Then the Roswell crash is that same year in July, July 8th. This is striking. Yeah, right. I'm telling you, I started to notice like, wow, there's that year again, you know. Um, the Presidential Succession Act, now this was interesting, was signed by Truman and it places the Speaker of the House and the President pro tempore of the Senate as next in line after the Vice President. Hmm. I did not know that that was not original to our structure. Hmm. So that whole succession piece. National Security Act, cre uh, Truman creates the CIA the Department of Defense, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the National Security Council, 1947. Men in Black show up. <laughs> wow, really? Uh, Harold Dahl was the first who was contacted and intimidated by them. India gains its independence from Britain. Hungary transitions to communism. This is all in one year. Oh my God. The National Security Act of 1947, this is pivotal. This is what allows them to have state secrets and hide everything. Also, the National Security Act of, 19, of 1947. Isn't that also what allows, I mean, only it was up until was Obama was the first one to use it against reporters. To, I don't know. To, you know, it was the first time it was like really in, against spies. It was supposed to be against spies and things like that. So that was created uh, September 18th, creating the U.S. Air Force came under that National Security Act. The National Security Council and the CIA all come under the National Security Act of 1947. The House on Americans Activities Committee was formed investigating communism in Hollywood. First recorded use of the word computer. The sound barrier is broken by Bell Labs K1 rocket plane. GATT and the WTO are established in October of that year. Meet the Press is born, which is another. Total propaganda. Total propaganda. Birth of the AK-47 by the Soviets. International Unions of Telecommunications on the Universal Postal Union are created by the UN. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are married. Mm -hmm. Creation of the State of Israel, November 29th. Boom. The Romanian monarchy is abolished. The mm -hmm. first microwave oven is made by Raytheon. Oh, Tavistock also in the 50s, developed the first microwave weapons. Tavistock did? Dear yep. God. Yeah. So and then a journal, I mean, this came out, let me see, a journal was first published called Human Relations, published by 
this SAGE publications on behalf of the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations. Also established the Research Center for Group Dynamics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Yeah. That's as far as I got. The group dynamics is a is a is big, right? Because that's where this is how you would make small groups institute a leader and get them all to come out with the same thought that you want them to have too. You know, I remember, yeah, when I was working in the psych hospitals in the mm -hmm. 70s, they brought all that in. Um, group dynamics and the team approach, which uh, superseded, you know, the doctor's authority. It was just this whole team would get together. I remember you'd have to sit in these meetings and everybody'd be in a circle and everybody, you know, and that's all by design. Um, oh, there's a quote that I know by Schiller, who was a Friedrich mm. Schiller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And an individual is tolerably reasonable and, and, oh gosh, what did he say? An individual, I must have it written down here. Something like an individual is, is tolerably, like on his own, tolerably reasonable and sensible. Put him in a crowd and he immediately becomes a blockhead. <laughs> oh, interesting. So yeah. the Schiller. Yeah. The Schiller Institute is associated with Lyndon LaRouche group. Ah, uh, joy. Well, uh, you know what? I grew up thinking Lyndon LaRouche was a dirty word. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Fast forward 70 years. <laughs> and um, I come across this article, a man by the name of Michael Manichini, and he's writing on beauty and art and the loss of that in our in our culture and right away he's got my attention right and i get through the whole article i'm like on fire like this is fabulous somebody cares about beauty and architecture and language and so on and so forth and then at the bottom i see schiller institute Lyndon larouche pack i'm like huh well let me look into this now hmm. and it seems that Lyndon larouche i don't know maybe he was a man ahead of his time uh -huh. And maybe was attacked because of his uh, opposition mm -hmm. to all of this propaganda. I don't think it's all roses, but way different than what I was taught as a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and this is the important piece, too, is is we just we've got to research. We can't just take what we hear mm -hmm. in media just at face value and just assume that oh it's it's true because the new york times said so or the huffington or whatever any of these sort of you know established media outlets or what they learned in school you know that it's really important to just it's almost like like the whole thing has to shatter everything that sort of people think is reality well you've been lied to all your life people have begun yeah. to have that mantra now you've been lied to and I yeah. had to wake up to that and say, well, now I need to examine and question. Mm -hmm. Was Lyndon LaRouche a problem? And, and you know, it's not 100%, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> right. And we don't, um, you know, yeah, I, I, and it's, we also have to 
really, um, I think it might have been one on that bullet point list, you know, this, this whole separate, what I, what I call false dichotomy. So everybody's either 100% good or 100% bad, you know, yeah. the, you know, take nothing that we say, you know, you, you got to come to your, come to your, come to it yourself. That's the only way you can come to it. Um, you know, and so, yeah, so Schiller might have had, um, not Schiller, but, but LaRouche really? had a bunch of things right. And then, but then I'm, then I'm following, you know, a bunch of the people that come out of the Schiller uh, Institute um, who are, you know, strangely um, in love with China. Mm. And, and right. um, you know, and they seem to be been on the ball with everything else, but, you know, they talk about China and, oh, you know, I'm just looking at what China's done as far as like being a person living in China. I can't, you know, and and that system that they want to uh, implement on us, um, the social control system, which they have, you know, nearly perfected there, um, you know, they ignore it. And they're like, oh, well, they just, you know, want to go around helping people. So what's that about? You know, they want to go in a country. They don't really want to take over. Well, I understand. And I understand we go to countries and 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 we take them over. And, or the International Monetary Fund, as mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, goes in and just completely, or the World Bank, they come in and just, just create, you know, unrecoverable debts for these poor countries. And you're just stuck, you know, just like we're stuck with our debt to China. And uh, it's. Um, well, we're not stuck with it. I, I have answers to it, but they were, they're kind of radical. So, um, you know, so anyway, yeah. So you, again, you, and this is the way you become your own person. You have your own opinions. You do the best you can, you know, and then and then you have it fed with the underground stream of, of wisdom that, you know, that that you that you really have to go um, really searching for. It's not, you know, I think it's tough finding searching on Google, you know, Yes, I just quoted uh, Sophocles the other day, a beautiful quote, what is sought may be found, but truth unsearched for seldom comes to light. Right, right, right. I think, yeah. And, you know, um, discrimination has gotten such a bad rap, but without discriminative discernment, yes, you are complete fool. You are completely at the mercy of these dark forces. So discriminate, yes. Do discriminate, please. Well, yeah, that's where there's the danger. And you hear people say, oh, there's no real good and evil. We're all one. And it's like, dude, if you can't discern between good and evil, you're you're in big trouble. Right. Yes. Big, and we are in big trouble. Well, and yes. that's part of the program. Yes. This, this sort of... It's very effective. Mm-hmm. What they have done is so effective. I look at them like evil geniuses. Well, you also, we we also have to realize that uh, who spoke of this, uh, well, both Freud and Bernays, that a crowd is different than an individual. Mm-hmm. And a crowd is not rational. Like yeah. the, it's all about impulse. And, and, and so a crowd is very easy to manipulate. And it, 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 really um uh what is the word you know it takes advantage of sort of our inclination to be sort of among tribe or family or clan and it 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 completely manipulates that and and human nature hasn't changed and and you know i think another book that should be required reading for everyone and they can download the pdf for free is by charles mckay 
Do you know which book I'm talking about? Yeah. Extraordinary, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. And okay. he wrote that That's in- classic, 18, yeah. Charles McKay. Yep, Charles McKay, he wrote that in 1840 or 1850. And it goes into, you know, the most famous one is the tulip mania, but he also oh. he explores, like economic bubbles. And he also explores the, the witch trials. Oh, interesting. And the Catholic church started it, but then the Calvinists and the Lutherans took it to the hilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they got here. Yeah. Everyone thinks, oh, it's just the Catholic church. Uh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no. I mean, it just the, and so, and this was groups of people being swept up into hysteria and doing yeah. things that you would never think. And and yeah, even yeah, yeah. accused person look at Hypatia able to yeah the accused person if they were able to uh, avoid the executioner the neighbors would set their dogs on them you know oh. neighbors would kill them oh my. so you know like they'd be as good as dead and in fact one woman who was accused admitted in the court that she actually is innocent. But she just continued, you know, with her story because she knew if she went home, they'd kill her anyway. Like her life's over. It's over. So please just burn me at the stake. Like that's how bad, that's how bad it was. So this is the extraordinary popular delusions and the madness mm -hmm. of crowds. And so to wrap this up in terms of, okay, wow, what do we do? <laughs> well, the first, the first thing is, yeah. you know, my goodness. Um, do not get swept up like we, and that's the thing where you have to understand, listen, you're being manipulated everywhere you mm -hmm. turn. Right. And, right, oh. and, and electromagnetically too. I mean, they can beam stuff at crowds. Mm. Like but let's also remember that one of the hallmarks of, of Americans as a people is their rugged individualism. That's right. 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 And you made us a target. We well, yes, fearsome. actually. A friend of mine in Australia, now I am not, I'm not political and I don't trust either side, but she made an interesting point. She said that a number of people that she spoke to, you know, whatever people want to say about Trump, but they were like, if Biden wins, that country goes down. And if the United States goes down, yes, we all go yes. down because this mm -hmm. country is the representative of, of uh, freedom. Of freedom yes. and there's a reason why people especially from communist countries came that's here right that's right <laughs> that's you know right. there's a lot of people right now who think oh communism is the way to go and they think it's such a great and they're thing. mostly young you know they're mostly young yeah they have no clearly no well another line from the bhagavad gita says uh arjuna is you know in the battle and he's kind of falling apart and he's fighting his teachers and he's just had a, you know, a come apart and, and he's giving all these reasons why he shouldn't fight his teachers, why he shouldn't fight in this, in this battle. And uh, Krishna says to him, you speak words that sound like wisdom. Hmm. But by me, they're already dead. You're merely the occasion. Hmm. You've been trained as a Kshatriya warrior. Is... So stand up and fight because this battle is for for the all of civilization. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so 
you know, turning the other cheek is not an option. No. So, and knowledge is power and my people perish for lack of knowledge. So we have to, and, and, and then I'll, this is my favorite quote and I've said it, I'm sure ad nauseum to people who listen to what I have to say, who give a damn. But anyway, every man is two educations. The first he's given the second, more important, he gives to himself. And Mm -hmm. so this is that second education. We have to pull ourselves up by our boots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, Does it go again? Would you say it again? Every man has two educations. The first first he's given, and we've been discussing that for two, two and a half hours. The second, more important, he gives to himself. And that's excellent. I, it's very important what we put in our minds. So I see this time as a necessary, essential, if we're gonna get through it, we must reclaim our humanity. We must reclaim our mind and we must tend to our mind uh, like that beautiful writing by James Allen from 1905, As a Man Thinketh. And, and it's all about how the mind is a garden and it, it must put forth, it can't not. So you've got to tend it. And mm. all of this propaganda and mind control, right, is about harnessing our minds, ra- raping our minds. The mind has been raped. That's true. And so the, so the healing must begin. And so it's about, all right, what do I put in my mind? And I've always said, if you look to the ancients and nature and let that be your teachers and and also i love those maxims of law because they're as true today as they were ten thousand years ago and you can't be gaslit you cannot be schnookered if you know your maxims and that was the other thing that people in this country uh when they tried to implement education which took them 15 years to do um the owners of the railroads they got horace mann who was a politician to initiate compulsory education. Before that, there was like the one room schoolhouse had people of all different ages. And it was, you know, the kids were getting, you know, classical education if they went to that or they learned at home. But guess what? Um, Literacy was over 90% in our country at that time. Mm -hmm. Was it really? Yes, it was. And so Americans back then were very savvy and they were like, oh no, you don't uh you're the state is not going to teach our children no way and and so it took them 15 years to the point where the military had to step in and there were a number of children who were forcibly taken to school tied to donkeys so it's we're, we're made to think oh the education system oh how wonderful no and it was never ever designed to you know bring our lift our children up no it was designed to control because of course, uh, the guys running the railroads and also the factories, they felt mm. that that you know there are people they were too educated, which meant they would bring trouble. You know, they'd rise up, right. they wouldn't stand for things, right? If they had an education, so they had to contain, you know, mm. the working class as you know, which was created in through the industrial age, the working class was created. And so they were just, just egregiously abused through their minds. And also what they lost was the community apprenticeship, you know, 
you would work under someone, you would learn every facet of how to do mm -hmm. that, which was very empowering. Whereas in Taylorism, that was about the mechanization of the human mm -hmm. so that they would only learn one facet. This was like the assembly line. You just mm -hmm. said one facet, you had no idea how to build a car. You just knew what you had to do. And, and then of course, it was about getting productivity as speedy as, as possible. So you have people who burn out, but then <clears throat> people were regarded as dispensable. So like this whole different mindset took over and it took over education as well. And, uh, you know, so it was said that they, they, they must for the 20th century raise uh, an unquestioning compliant student body. That's what they've done. That's what they've done. They so, used to have uh, Latin and Greek were standard. That's right. In, in high school. Yes. Yes. Gone. Wiped out. What mm -hmm. So, but this but, is a thing. But some of us managed to squeak through. Yes. You know, yes. with with something intact. Yes. And and and, and this, this seeking after truth, what's real. You know, yes. in spite of in spite of everything that's been done. You know. So, and, and for whatever reasons those are, um, and, you know, because he said, because the education of yourself never ends. You know? No, hopefully. It can't. Hopefully so. It can't yeah. end. Um, but, but, you know, we need to educate ourselves and in areas, especially, you know, the maxims, the trivium we were talking about, because that helps you to think how to think. That's right. And when you know how to think and you can think critically, then, you know, people stand a fighting chance to go, wow, I recognize exactly what you're doing. I see that manipulation or I reckon that's a fallacious argument right there. Dismissed, dismissed. Right. Those are the tools of metis, as we spoke of earlier. Those are the tools of navigation, right? That's, that's how you achieve it. Those are all working. Like we, like I said, with, with the famous Parmenides poem, you know, there's we have to there's the spiritual side of all this, and then there's the navigating this realm. And um, yeah, and those are the tools for that. And we have to learn both. Do you and have the same and the end and then in the end they're the same. The spiritual is 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 the material. Samsara is nirvana, as the Buddhists say. It can you guys recommend a book on Metis that the listeners and myself might read um, reality reality by Cutie. reality by peter kingsley reality by peter kingsley okay awesome yeah, it's big it's a big book but i think that's his masterpiece it's accessible knowledge and he does have the entire he it's his translation of the parmenides poem from the ancient greek oh fabulous and it is sort of it's not all on one page it's kind of sprinkled throughout so you have to piece it together yeah it breaks it down but um and also empedocles empedocles and parmenides are you know are the two major uh greeks that that founded the sacred origins of western civilization for him pythagoras is involved also um you know to a certain extent and, and they were both pythagorean in some sense but you know in his understanding, and I think it's true, it's they Pythagoras is kind of like a generation earlier than them, though it's hard to know. Pythagoras is semi-mythical, so it's really hard to know too much exactly about him. But the deal is that, um, you know, it's not like 
you know, you're taking, it's not like you're taking the, the Frankfurt School and just, you know, recapitulating it. You, not, you're taking, you're taking, you're taking the wisdom and then applying it to where you are and who you are. Uh, you know, you're not just saying, well, here's the school, here's what they said, and we're going to just going to plop it down. That's why no one knows what the Pythagorean school is, you know, because, because what he taught was how to live. They called the Pythagorean way of life. They called it the uh, Parmenidean Parmen way of life. That's what they called it. They didn't call it the school of wisdom. Here's what he wrote, you know, la-di-da. So that's, that's important. And that's part of any real traditional school, you know, is not, is not to, is, is not to be dogmatic. I would say that Peter Kingsley's book is very accessible because it's conversational. You get the feeling like you're, he's having a conversation with you about these people and this tradition and the goddess and so on and so forth. So it's accessible. Well, that said, very few people that we've turned onto the book <laughs> ever read it. They'll get into it a little bit. And the thing is, because he's he's challenging you, just like you know your work. Any any spiritual teacher is going to challenge you. The people who don't want to be challenged aren't going to read this book. Right, mm -hmm. right. Well, I'm reading it, and uh, I'll bet more than a few. Are you actually well, you, now, you or are you going? No, no, no. I'm going to order it, and okay. then order it. we can get into that with the Parmenides, because that's it's a real delineation of the Parmenides poem. So. Awesome. You know, at some point, then maybe we can revisit and have a discussion on that because I think it's essential. Awesome. You guys, thank you from my heart. Oh my You're goodness! Welcome. Thank this you. is so delicious to well, have these conversations. It's just like an average conversation with you, but yeah.